love, I love to sing with God's people. And this is not a show, and this is not uh, a great band just for the sake of being a great band, but this is excellence in honor of, of our God. And so I, I hope you can recognize that and direct your praise to Him uh, in and through what, uh, how God uses uh, the gifts on stage. I'm, I'm just uh, excited about, about that this morning. We've been talking about the, the kingdom of God, and if, uh, if you're unfamiliar with church or unfamiliar with that concept, um, I, I have, I've tried to unpack this over the last few weeks so that it would, uh, it would begin to make sense to you. Um, what I said last week is that the, the kingdom of God is the overarching theme over the Bible, and when you get the kingdom of God, you will, you will finally uh, get the Bible, get God, get, get an understanding of what that means. If you don't get it, it means you don't have God and you need him to be the one that's going to soften your heart and allow you to, to hear him and experience him. Um, I, I, I can't tell you how important I think this is. My prayer is that it, it, it comes out in a way that you, uh, that you hear. Uh, I think most of what I'll be saying today, or a good portion of it, will be scripture. I have 15 pages of notes the AC is working well, so you'll be comfortable at least during that time. Um, and so I, we may end up having to cut off early, but I'm glad that you're here to, to hear uh, this. Um, I, I could probably say this about every sermon, but this might be, um, this might be one of the most important things that, that we talk about here at our church. So what we've been talking about is, as I said, the kingdom of God. We said that the kingdom of God is the overarching theme over the, the, the scriptures. When you get that, you get the, the Bible, you get God, as I just said. Um, and God's kingdom begins in a garden. And that garden is sometimes said to be uh, uh, paradise. It is God's kingdom in perfection. It's not per perfection to its fulfillment as God's plan is seen finally in Revelation, the city of God. That is God's kingdom in perfection. However, in that state, in that initial state, the kingdom is, that is God's kingdom. And what does that mean? It is where God rules and reigns. It's where his authority and his dominion is over top of that garden and those people, Adam and Eve. But Adam and Eve uh, decide uh, to sin. They decide to walk away. And so God had breathed life. He gives the breath of life to Adam. He gives him everything that he has. He delegates to him his rule and reign over the world. And uh, as a result, what happens is instead of having dominion over the creation as God had intended Adam to have, Adam was supposed to be in charge of and have authority over the animals and the plants and everything in that garden. But instead of having dominion delegated from God to him over those things, Adam allows the snake, who is Satan, to come and have dominion over him. The snake gets the best of him. We know that the snake is Satan because of a passage in Revelation. 
And, and so what we can see from this is that what happens is, is that Adam gives up his role as God's vice regent, as God's kingdom representative. Adam gives that up and he gives it to this other kingdom, the, the dominion of darkness. What happens then is everything that we see in our world today, all of the problems that you and I see throughout our world, everything that you look at and you can say, and you say, this is, this is wrong. This doesn't, this, this isn't going right. The reason why you have that thought in your mind is because of the overlaying structure that is over our world, because we believe that God is creator and he created this way and he put this in your mind to know and to understand that this is not right. It shouldn't be happening this way. If God didn't create it, then there's no reason to say that it shouldn't be happening this way because it's just happening and it is and it should just be. And so we have no reason to be upset with things going wrongly. They just are. There's no right or wrong. But God is the one who put in you the desire to see things go rightly, to see, uh, uh, to see justice, to see things uh, in righteousness, to not see corruption in, in our government, to see people taken care of, to, um, uh, to see justice enacted in our world. Those desires come from God. They come out of his design and out of his creation. And so this dominion of darkness begins, and that is what's bringing all of this pain, all of this suffering, all of this sin, all of this darkness into our world. And so now there's two kingdoms who exist. And so God, um, from the very beginning of time, even before all this, knows this is taking place. He um, gives what is called the Proto-Evangelion. It is the first gospel in Genesis 3.15. He says, I'm gonna, he's essentially saying, I'm sending Jesus. That's, we look at that and we see that and we say, that is God saying, I've got another plan that's gonna be happening. So we go on through that and we see these different covenants, which are promises from God to his people. And we said that the covenants are like scenes within a movie. They are scenes within the story of God that is overarching over our uh, uh, over creation. They are scenes within that movie. And so we saw these different covenants take place. Well, the covenants primarily have to deal with the people of Israel. So God's initial delegation to Adam is now handed to Israel. So Adam fails, he hands it to Israel, and he says, Israel, this is what you are to be. And so God creates Israel to be his kingdom representatives. Exodus chapter 19, verses four through six. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians. What did he do to the Egyptians? Uh, the Israelites are in slavery in Egypt for 400 years. They're, they're being abused. Uh, you've got the, the plagues that come. Finally, Pharaoh says, go. They go. Then Pharaoh goes after them, and uh, God parts uh, the Red Sea for them. They go through the Red Sea, uh, this, and then the Egyptians follow them in there. God, you know, lets the sea go back on top of them, kills them all. And so you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. God saved them. God saved them. Keep in mind, God saved them first. He saved them. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So what does God say to Israel? He says, I saved you. 
Um, and as a result, this is what I want from you. I want you to live rightly. I want you to live in the way that I wanted Adam to live as my vice regent, as the one that I delegated my authority to, and I want you to be my kingdom representatives. I want you to represent who I am, Israel. I want you to represent and properly portray who this God, Yahweh, is. So you're going to be a kingdom of priests, a priest is someone who's a go-between, between God and other people. So they're to be priests into the world, and they're to, say, they're to be a display of this incredible God who owns everything, he's created everything, and he's perfectly righteous and just and merciful and loving. And so they're to be a display of this. But what happens, what happens as a result? They fail. Israel fails. How did they fail? We're moving quickly here. In the book of Judges, ju uh, Judges is essentially a, a, that shows the decline of a nation. It shows the decline of Israel. People look at Judges and they go, oh, look at that guy. Look at this guy. Look at that guy. I'm going to be like him. I'm going to be like that guy. Uh, when you really look at Judges and you see what these judges, these, uh, these men and women who were leading the nation of Israel, when you see what their lives were really like, you go, man, this is, this is kind of bad and I'm supposed to be learning from him. But Judges is showing the decline of a nation and it's typified by this statement which says, Judges 17.6, in those days there was no king in Israel. Now that's there for a reason. It says this, no one's in charge. It's anarchy. No one is ruling. No one is, uh, is saying what is right and what is wrong. There's no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And guess what they're doing? They're repeating the sins of the past. They're repeating the sins of Adam. Because Adam and Eve in the garden, they're like, you know what, should we believe, uh, you know, God or should we believe the snake? And instead of believing God who had given them authority, they believe the snake. And so they say, we're going to do whatever we, whatever we want. Israel does the same exact thing. They reject God and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Do you see the chaos in our world because everyone does what's right in their own eyes? All we have to talk about is politics for just a moment. I mean, it, it is ridiculous because Democrats and Republicans equally think, you know what, you're so jacked up. All you want to do is you want to take this from people and oh yeah, all you want to do is lock people up. Oh yeah, well all you want to do, you know what that is? Everyone does what's right in their own eyes. That is uh, politics today is really the fruit of the darkness that resides in me and you. Politics really shows who we are on the inside, conflicted individuals. And it's the same thing in our homes. It's the same thing all the way around. Everyone submits to their own rule of law and they say, I'm gonna do what I wanna do. That's the problem with our world. That's the overarching theme over this world. Instead of saying, God, I submit to your kingdom, your rule and your reign, I'll be a kingdom of, uh, of priests to you. I'll show the world who you are. We say, I'm gonna live under my rule, under my reign, 
as a Democrat, as a Republican, as an independent, as a whatever, libertarian, whatever, or I'm going to live under my rule and my reign in my sexuality. I'm going to live under my rule and my reign in the way that I spend my money. I'm going to live under my rule and my reign over the way that I run my family or whatever. You fill in the blank. Guess what? Every single one of us is implicated in that. Everyone does what's right in their own eyes. And Israel shows us this. And so he, and well, he doesn't go on. We go on. In what ways did they fail? Well, in Abraham's call. You see from chapter 12, uh, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. This is God calling Abram at the time. He changes the name to Abraham later, uh, the father of many nations. He, uh, so this is God's call to him initially. He says, now the Lord said to Ab- Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Now look at what God wants from Israel. He says, I want you to be a kingdom of priests. The same thing, and and then you still have the same thing coming from Abraham. That kingdom of priests is to be a blessing. They've been blessed in order to be a blessing to the nations. And it's the same thing with us. We've been blessed in order to be a blessing to people, but instead of being a blessing to everyone else, what happened with these people is that really they just brought cursing. Really what happened with them, everyone did what was right in their own eyes, and what took place was that they just, they, they synchronized themselves with all of the other religions around them, with everything else that everybody was doing, and they became a curse alongside of everyone else who wasn't in the kingdom of God. They just began to perpetuate the curse that is the dominion of darkness. It just kept rolling, kept rolling. So they did not obey this idea that they should be a blessing. They've been blessed in order to be a blessing. So God sends prophets to warn of impending judgment. Uh, Isaiah chapter 1. I think I recently used this in a sermon. It might have been last summer. I'm going to use it again. I love it. Uh, Chapter 1, verse 2. That's not on the the, uh, initial scripture there, Sam. Uh, chapter 1, verse 2. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. This is God talking to Israel. He's saying, You're my kids. You're my people. I, I mean, I'm, I brought you up. I, I gave you life. I gave you breath. And he, and he says, Children I have uh, reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. Even an ox knows its owner. And the donkey, its master's crib. But Israel does not know my people do not understand. Ah, sinful nation. A people laden with iniquity. Offspring of evildoers. Children who deal corruptly. They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. Why will you still be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick, the heart faint, from the sole of the foot even to the head. There's no soundness in it, but bruises and sores and raw wounds. They are not pressed out or bound up or softened with oil. Your country lies desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. You, in your very presence, foreigners devour your land. It is desolate as overthrown by foreigners and the dark. Daughter of Zion is left like a booth in a vineyard, like a lodge in a cucumber field, like a besieged city. Those are 
pictures that we wouldn't necessarily understand, but it's, it's bad. Don't be in a cucumber field. Um, yeah. <laughs> Verse 9, uh, if the Lord of hosts had not left us a few survivors, we should have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. What's up with Sodom and Gomorrah? Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed by fire because of sexual immorality. It was horrible. And it destroyed. We would have become just like them. This is God's people. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord? What do I care about your religion? Yeah, it's supposed to be to me. But look at what he says here. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. Sacrifices were intricately a part of the life, the religious life of these uh, people from Israel towards God. And they were supposed to do that, but there was a problem. I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. Uh, incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and, and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and, and solemn assembly, assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Spreading out their hands uh, to pray, even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil uh, of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. What's the evil? that Israel is doing? What's the blood that's on their hands? These people who were supposed to be an expression of God's kingdom, they were to be priests of the most high God. They were to say, this is who God is. This is what he's like. Look at our nation and how we operate and look at the way that we worship him and yet we serve him in the way that we operate. And God says, it's evil. It's absolutely evil. And you guys are going to church and you're acting like you've got it all together and it just means nothing. It just means nothing. Just stop. What's the evil? Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Learn to do good seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the Father. Plead the widow's cause. What? What's happening in their, in their life? What's happening? They are not looking out for these people. They're not looking out for the oppressed. They are not enacting justice. People are getting away with murder, literally. They, they are not helping the orphan, the fatherless. They're not engaged with the life. What, what aren't they doing in that? They're not acting like the kingdom of priests within the kingdom of God. They're not a display of who God is. This is who we worship. This is our God. They're not doing it. But I have to say this, because that sounded like a lot of wrath and fire and brimstone. 
But he, he, in, the same, in the same chapter, even though the chapter wasn't there originally, but right after this, it says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like, scar- like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. They are, though they are red like crimson. Though you have this darkness from Adam, you've been in the dominion of darkness. Even though you've acted this way, you've oppressed these people, you've got sin like scarlet, it's going to be white as snow. Think about the hope here. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land, but if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. I would love to keep reading this, especially this verse. How the faithful city has become a whore. She who who was full of justice, righteousness lodged in her, but now murderers. It just goes on, goes on. Talks about their officials getting bribes. Think about what God, what God's looking at here. And, and think about your understanding of who God is. If I don't dot every I and cross every T, make sure that I tithe, go to church, and be a part of a community group, serve in this area, do, do that, what, do all these things. Like, that is, God is not looking for rote spirituality. God wants people who in reality, yes, they have that spirituality, as as a, an act of worship that says, I, I want to serve this king. But there's another side of their life. It's not just that they're not sinning. It's that they're, they're doing justice. They're correcting oppression. They're helping people. They are acting in a way that is consistent with the God of the universe. So God has sent this warning of impending judgment, and really, it's, it's happening. Their city is being burned to the ground. It's, it, it's, it is awful. This is, what's, this is what's coming. But there's more to the story than just that. How else did they fail? It, it really gets awful. In fact, Jeremiah 32, um, verse uh, 31 says this, the city has aroused my anger and wrath from the day it was built to this day so that I will remove it from my sight because of all the evil of the children of Israel and the children of Judah that they did to provoke me to anger their kings and their officials and their priests and their prophets, the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Every one, there's no one who's doing right Everyone's jacked up. Everyone has a problem. What's their problem? Verse 33, they have turned, uh, they have turned to me their back and not their faith. face. They are obstinate. They're like, oh yeah, God? That's what my, uh, yeah, never mind. <laughs> There's a reason for that. I, I'm not gonna finish that thought. They have turned their back and not their face. And though I have taught them persistently, they have not listened to receive instruction. Like, when, when you read through the law, like Exodus and Deuteronomy, and you're just like, really, another law? Oh, another, oh, something new. Oh, another law. Oh, and another one, and another one, and another one. And it's just like, for the love, that's a lot of stuff. 
what, what's God is saying? I gave you all the rules. I gave you all the regulations. I taught you. I taught you. I taught you. Make sure that you follow this. Be a kingdom of priests. Represent me rightly, Israel. They turn their back on him. And you know what this tells us? You can listen to as many podcasts as, as you want. You can listen to Caleb all day long. You could, you could uh, talk and talk and talk about Christianity. You could have someone talk at you. And just knowing all the rules won't fix you. Just like with Noah, God destroys everyone, leaves Noah, and everyone would think, oh, good, now we got the really righteous people. Nope, they're jacked up too. And then, uh, okay, what they really need is they, re- they just need to know. They just need to know what's right and what's wrong. Nope, they're jacked up too. How jacked up are they? Really, 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 really jacked up. Verse 34 of Jeremiah 32, they set up their abominations in the house that is called by my name to defile it. They brought some stuff into church that should not be there, all right, into the temple, all right? They built the high place, they built the high places of Baal, the false god, this demon god, in the valley of the son of Hinnom. Uh-oh. There's a place that you should not go as somebody who's a follower of Yahweh, and it is the valley of the son of Hinnom. And then secondly, you should not be building a high place in the valley of the son of Hinnom. Why? Because what happens in the valley of the son of Hinnom is that to offer up their sons and daughters to Molech, Though I did not command them, nor did it enter into my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. Everybody looks at God and says, oh, man, I don't like this idea of this righteous God. I mean, he's just so, you know, just all the rules, all the regulations. No, God is the one who wants to hold back evil. And if you're a Democrat, he wants to hold back the Republicans. And if you're a Republican, he wants to hold back the Democrats. God is the one who's taken that stuff on. God is the one who looks at this stuff and says, you were sacrificing your kids, literally killing your kids for this false god, Molech? What? Like, I like God is even saying, I can't believe it. This is ridiculous. How did they fail? Not just kinda, but really. They really, really failed, even though they really, really had relationship with God. He's following them uh, with a cloud by day and fire by night. He, he had parted the Red Sea. He brings water out of a rock. He gives them food, uh, this manna, this stuff that really means, what is it? That gives them this food, gives them quail, gives them whatever. And yet, they're still just like, you know what? I know I've seen all those incredible things that he's done, but you know what? I'm going to commit the same sin that Adam did, and I'm going to question this God, and I'm going to say, does God really have my best interest in mind? And instead of being a kingdom of priests, instead of giving glory and honor to the one who had given them breath, they say, whatever. So what's the problem? What is the problem? I I think there's an indicator in Deuteronomy 30 God knows why they fail. Deuteronomy 30, verse 11. For this commandment that I command you today, this is after the giving of the law, I command you today, is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. 
It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? Neither is, is it beyond the sea that, that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart so that you can do it. So what's their problem? God says, listen, you can do this. You've heard it. You know what to do. You know what's right. What's the problem? And this is the problem with all of us. It's not that we can't. It's that we won't. It's that we won't. It's not that we can't do what's right. It's that we won't do what's right according to God's way. It's not that we can't do some right things. It's not that we can't do some, some good works in our city and stuff like that, but it's, it's everyone does what's right in their own eyes. I see that this is right, but I'm gonna go over here and I'm gonna be sleeping with my girlfriend even though we're not married. Everyone does what's right in their own eyes. They do some good things. It's not that they can't, it's that they won't. It's that, oh, I'll, I'll do this over here and, 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 and it might be for God, it might not, but then over here I'll go over and do my, my own thing. Yet we know that uh, fatherless children are one of, one of the biggest issues in our city and they need help, foster care and whatever. And yet you're perpetuating that by perhaps getting her pregnant, having a child out of wedlock. Now you've got another kid who doesn't have a dad around because maybe you guys don't get married. Everyone does what's right in their own eyes. And you can't pick and choose what's right and what's wrong. It's not... Because you can't, it's because you won't. You refuse, and I refuse, to give God glory and to be a kingdom of, uh, of priests for our God. It's not because we can't, it's because we won't. What's God's primary issue with this? Exodus, or I'm, I'm sorry, Ezekiel 36, verse 22. Therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. When through you I vindicate my holiness. You profane my name, but when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. God's biggest problem with you and I doing what's right in our own eyes, God's biggest problem with uh, you and I building our own kingdom, not being uh, a kingdom of priests saying this is who the real God is, is he's saying, you misrepresented me as an image bearer. As an image bearer in my kingdom, you misrepresent who I am. You, 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 you're saying about the God of the universe that God kills his kids. You're saying about the God of the universe that he is unjust, that he's an oppressor. You're saying these things that are wrong. 
you are lying through your life about who I am. That's what God is saying to Israel. And he's saying, you're profaning. It's not just that you did something wrong. It's that it's, you've profaned my name, but I'm going to get it back. Through you, all these nations are going to see, I'm going to get it back. They're all going to see that I'm holy, and they're, they're going to see it. Did you, get, did you get that through you thing? You're jacked up, but through you, I'm going to show you their holiness or my holiness. That's, that's interesting, isn't it? So what's God's plan? Zechariah 2, verse 10. Shout and be glad. This is in the NIV. Shout and be glad, O daughter of Zion, for I am coming and I will live among you, declares the Lord. Many nations will be joined with the Lord in that day and will become my people. I will live among you and you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. This is what the prophets are looking forward to. Yeah, they burned this city to the ground. God allowed it to happen. It was his judgment because we were supposed to be a kingdom of priests, but we were not. We profaned his name. But then the prophets are saying, come, let us reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, they're going to be white as snow. Through you, I'm going to show the world. I'm going to show these nations to which you profane my name in front of. I'm going to show them my holiness. Zechariah says, listen, What's going to happen is he's going to be among us. He's going to be with us. And what's going to happen is many nations, I mean, the nations that saw the name of God profaned, that many nations are going to be joined with the Lord in that day and will become my people and I will live among you and you'll know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. That The nations are going to know this. Those people are going to know this. That God is with these people. They're going to properly represent him. How will he live among us? How will he live among us to enable us to be a kingdom of priests? A fresh start won't do it. Uh, Knowing all the right rules, wrote religion, religiosity, going to church, acting like a Christian person isn't going to do it. You don't just need a little bit of church. You don't need a good sermon. What do you need? Well, you do right now, but like we won't talk about that. How will he live among us? Ezekiel 37, uh, chapter 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me. Not chapter 1, verse 1. Ezekiel 37, verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and sent me down in the middle of uh, of the valley. It was full of bones. So Ezekiel's a prophet. He's seeing this vision, and he comes down into this valley. This is from God. He sees this vision. This is how God speaks to prophets. He shows them vision, speaks to them, things of that nature. And so he says, look at this, and it's full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? 
So God's taken the prophet Ezekiel and he says, he's shown him all these bones, all of these, uh, these people who have died. They're very dry. They've been dry. They've been dead for a long time. And he says, can these bones live to Ezekiel? And I answered, oh Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and I prophesied there was a loud sound and behold a rattling and the bones came together bone to its bone and I looked and behold there were no sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me prophesy to the breath Prophesy, son of man, and say to uh, the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied, and he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. They were. They were in exile. They were in captivity. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and I will raise you from your graves, death to life, death to life, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land, then you shall know that I am the Lord, I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. Now here's what you need to know. The word for, for breath is the same word for wind, and it is the same word for spirit in the Hebrew. Ruach, maybe. It's what it looks like. Ruach, yeah. So breath, wind, spirit. So what is, what is God saying here? He's saying, I'm going to live among you. A fresh start won't do it. You... Even though you know all the rules and the regulations, all it does is it just shows you how sinful you are. You can't do it on your own. So what needs to happen? I'm gonna put flesh on you and then I'm gonna breathe life into you. Now what's happening? God breathes life into Adam and he gives him life. Now he's gonna give Israel life. He's gonna blow the spirit of God into them. I'm gonna give you my spirit, and what's gonna happen as a result, I'm going to enable you to now have life, to go from death to life. What's gonna take place is you are now gonna have the spirit of God in you. I will live among you, and you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. God's saying, I'm coming in you. You, I'm going to be a part of you. I am coming to you. That's God's promise to enable Israel to be a kingdom of priests to properly represent him 
and to show him this is who the God of the universe is in reality. That's what the Spirit of God is for. That's what Ezekiel prophesies. That's what takes place. It says in Ezekiel 36, verse 26, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, a new breath, a new wind I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from, uh, from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Look at what's happening. Kingdom representatives jack everything up, and he says, you can't do it, you're not doing it, I'm gonna cause you to do it through my breath, through my spirit, through my wind, it's gonna take place in your life because that's what I'm doing, I'm God. And then it says in verse 34 of chapter 36, and the land that was desolate shall be tilled instead of being the desolation that it was in the sight of all who passed by. Their land is desolate, it's gone. It's like our world, it's just, it's, it's gone. It's just, there's so much darkness. Everything is ruined. And it says, instead of being the desolation that it, uh, that, uh, instead of being the desolation that it was in the sight of all who passed by, and they will say, this land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden, and the waste and desolate and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. God is, is coming, and what, the way that he's coming is he's coming into the hearts of people who've determined to be a law unto themselves, to do whatever they want, that's me and that's you, and to say, I am the one, I am the one who determines what is right and wrong. And they've decided who, you know, I don't really, who cares about the injustices that are going on in our world and the oppression and the things that are taking place, the fatherless child, the, uh, the widow, like, who cares about that stuff? Like, that's so typical of American republicanized Christianity that is not Christianity. The God of the universe says, you will be somebody who's a kingdom of priests, and when I come in and I take your heart of stone and I give you a heart of flesh, I'm... I'm, I'm coming in with my spirit and I'm taking what is all messed up there, your inability, the fact that it's not that you can't, it's that you won't, and I'm gonna make you willing. Your problem is that, isn't that you can't, it's that you won't follow him. And he says, I'm gonna cause you to do this. I'm gonna give you a heart. I'm gonna restore this place and it's gonna be like the Garden of Eden. And what's the Garden of Eden? Where God rules and reigns over this world. People are gonna see my authority and they're gonna say, that's the Lord. That's the Lord. I don't know about that. I don't, I don't know about this, this whole thing, but I, but I see something in these people and they're restoring something. We are restorers through the power of, of the Spirit. FYI. Fast forward to the Gospel of John. John. 
Now there's a man, John chapter three. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Who is he? He's in Israel. He's a Pharisee. He knows his Bible inside and out. He knows, he knows what's going on. And what happens? This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs um, that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Death to life, stone heart, uh, heart of flesh. He's saying to Nicodemus, "You, you know your Bible. Remember Ezekiel? Remember what happened there? Uh, uh, unless one is born again. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time to do his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of, the wa- of water and the spirit. Same word, uh, same meanings, but a Greek word, pneuma. Spirit, wind, breath. He says, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You can't get into the kingdom of God with a heart of stone. You can't be a part of it. The whole problem with Israel is that they have a heart of stone. The whole problem with you and me is that we have a heart of stone. We can't receive it. What needs to happen? He says, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows the breath blows, the spirit blows. Nicodemus, look at Ezekiel. I, through the power of the spirit, have to inhabit your life to enable you to be a part of my kingdom and what I am doing, how I'm restoring, how I'm bringing back the Garden of Eden, which really it's gonna be a city, but how I'm doing this. Nicodemus, you need the wind to blow in your life. You can't do it. There's not enough rules that you can follow. The wind blows wherever it wishes and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who's born of the spirit. And you go, who's born of the breath, born of the wind, born of whatever. Why, why Jesus? Why do you talk like that? Because he's connecting something for us. He's showing us. My purposes in the Old Testament have not changed. My purposes of I want a kingdom of priests who are going to represent me. I want people who are going to follow me. The only way that they're going to follow me is by me, through my spirit. And that's, that's what's going to take place. That's what's going to operate in, in their life. Look at what it says in John uh, 14, if you, uh, 14, verse 15. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit, the breath of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. He is among us. Shout for joy. He's coming. He's among us. He's in us. He's here. The spirit of God has come and he's come to enable you and I to be God's kingdom representatives, to rightly represent him, to correct oppression, injustice, to help the widow, to help the poor. 
Yes, to do what's rightly. Yes, to be a part of community. Yes, to do churchy things at times. But yes to the restoration of our city. We don't do it. God does it. We reveal it. We reveal it. I love this. I hope you can see it. John 20, 21. I'm, I'm almost done. Jesus, uh, 20, 21. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. That's me and you. That's his disciples. And when he had said this, what did he do? He breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. The New Testament is connected to the Old Testament. It is still God's theme of his kingdom being established and witnessed to by his kingdom of priests. The day of Pentecost comes. What happens? Tongues of fire, wind blows, pneuma, all that stuff. What's 1 Peter say? 1 Peter says this. Chapter 2, verse for as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. He's, this is what you are. You're to, you're to be a a holy priesthood. Look at what it says a little bit further, further down. Verse nine. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. What's royal? Kingdom. Royalty comes from kingdoms. A, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called, called you out of Darkness and into his marvelous light. The kingdom of God is now, it is enacted and enabled by his spirit. You and I are a part of that. By the power of the spirit, it will not be by our own effort. God has work for us to do. You want to know what to do in your life? You represent God. As a kingdom of priests, you represent God. You, you correct injustice. You relieve oppression. You do what's right. You don't take bribes. You don't, uh, you don't mess around with that stuff. You represent the king of kings. And that king is the creator. And that king is doing this through you by his spirit. I think that might be one of the most important things that you understand about the scriptures. I commend it to you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we know that you went to the cross to enable all of this. I uh, haven't mentioned the cross today. Lord, there's no way that we could have any piece of this, any part of the spirit without you having gone to the cross to take our sins that are like scarlet and make them white as snow and then inhabit us and enable us to be a part of your kingdom. Lord, I pray that we would remember your gospel, the fullness of the gospel. Yes, salvation from sins, but Lord, the salvation that we get to bring into our cities, 
Lord, we get to reveal who you are, to show who you are in and through uh, the good works that we do. Lord, for no other reason sometimes than just to say, this is who we serve. This is, this is the God uh, for the reason of pushing back on the dominion of darkness. Lord, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities and these principalities. Lord, there really is an enemy and he is roaming to and fro and he is after us and he wants to destroy. He's come to uh, destroy and to kill. But Lord, you've come to, to, to give life and life to the full. It's not just eternal life, but Lord, it's life right here and right now that we get to be a part of because of your kingdom and we get to live in now. We get to be revealers. We get to be priests of the most high God. We get to shout with joy that you live among us and you're in us. Lord God, may this change our lives and our perspective on our Christianity. Lord, may we not just do rote uh, religious Efforts, but Lord, may we be people who live by the power of your breath as you live in and among us. May we listen to you. Pray that in your name. Amen. We're going to go to the Lord's table now, and, and um, we remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. It's not just about the Spirit of God. Uh, but it, it is about Jesus who went to the cross to enable all of this to take place. And so we get to go to the table this morning with a, a deep sense of like, man, I, how have I been a kingdom representative, a, a kingdom of priests, a priest in the kingdom of God, revealing who God is, saying, look, look at him. How have I not? How have I just thought, you know, I'm just going to do what's right in my own eyes. I'm just going to do my own thing. It's okay if I fudge in this or that? Have I, how have I profaned the name of God? And then just quote that to yourself out of Isaiah. My sins are as scarlet, but you have made them white as snow. Lord Jesus, thank you for the cross. You get to do that this morning. Let's, let's revel in the gospel this morning. Let's do that now.